Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. And today's episode, I get to sit down with Johnny Milton, or aka Johnny Slut, um, musician, uh, part of uh, the... Uh, from the, the band Specimen, uh, the promoter behind Nag Nag Nag, and we go into all of this. We talk about, uh, this, I, I guess, what it was like at the Bat Cave uh, back in the early '80s, and then we touch on uh, some of Johnny's work that uh, where he worked with uh, Jimmy Courty from the KLF, and then we talk about the impact uh, and, and how brightly. Nag 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 uh, Sean um, in the early 2000s. It was early 2000s, I'm sure it was. Um, and yeah, we, we go in on all of this and we also talk about, uh, you know, Johnny growing up in the sticks and relocating to London and the excitement that that come from that. And most of all, we talk about some great records as well. And uh, and Johnny's a, a really wonderful chap and uh, and you're in for a treat. And before we get on with the episode, um, a big thank you to, um, well, firstly, to former guest Adamski for uh, suggesting that I, I reach out to, to Johnny. We talk about how it come about at the beginning of this podcast anyway. Um, and thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. And thanks to 76 for producing this podcast. And if this is your first time listening to Off the Beaten Track, then um, go and have a look in the archives because you'll, um, you'll find there's... Uh, well, probably about 180, 190 episodes now of uh, some fabulous chats with guests as diverse as Maxine Peake to James Lavelle to, oh gosh, the Deftones through to, oh God, uh, Mel C through to the Vaccines, Everything, Everything, Block Party, Scroobius Pip. Oh, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Go and have a rummage in the archives and you'll find some wonderful chats and uh, and I'm sure you'll find many recognisable names and uh, and I guarantee their chats will tickle your fancy. Um, and if you want even more, then there is a Patreon page where each week I upload four radio shows, uh, bespoke episodes, video episodes and a lot more from as little as about 90p a week. I think you can, uh, you can be a patron and support this podcast. So um, any support you can do there is much appreciated. Okay, let's get back to business. Oh, you can find out about all of this stuff I've just mentioned at www.offthebeatentrack.com. Back to business. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track podcast with Johnny Melton. It's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. 
me stew with him. Okay, we are recording, and joining me today via the means of Zoom is Johnny Melson. Hello. Hello. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm sat in my shed, and it's raining, and the dogs joined me. So, yeah, I'm all right. Got a nice cold cup of tea. <laughs> I, I, my mine's still lukewarm. It goes really cold when you see I'm also sitting in my shed. It does go quite quickly oh, right, okay. in the shed. Yeah, because it's, it's whizzing down. I just mm. I don't want to make the mercy dash to the kitchen because I'll, I'll get drenched. And it won't be good for continuity because I'll come back. Well, I'm, know, I'm, I'm really rain. looking forward to this this chat, Johnny, because um, it, it come about very quickly. Um from one one of your bands, which I'm sure we'll talk about, um, from sort of way back, posted a picture of you backstage or on stage and backstage. I think there was at, yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at the Pink Toothbrush where I work. Right, yeah. uh, and then it turned out we had a mutual friend in Adamski, um, huh. former guest on here. And then you're also very good friends with um, Come and a Gang, um, who's uh, a, 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 you know my my best pal. So yeah. it all come about quite quickly, and, and the fact that. We're both club promoters. I think I think we're going to be in for a, a good natter today, mate. Good. All right then. Wonderful. <laughs> um, well, before we get into the the, the track list, uh, John, I'm just going to ask you: um, How have you found the last sort of six months? You know, as 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 a as a creative and and as a human. Um. Yeah, it's been kind of strange. I mean, I I, move, I live in Dorset now, so um, I've got kind of. I've got a nice garden and I live by the sea. So it's kind of hasn't, and I'm quite, I'm, I don't know, I've been maybe a little bit reclusive over the past few years anyway. So it hasn't, hasn't really hit me that bad. I don't think um, I've found stuff to do. You know, I can make a nice jar of chutney. <laughs> <laughs> if you want me to. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah, but I mean, obviously, you know, um, I haven't been gigging or anything, which you know, I'm really missing my London friends. Um, where, do, yeah. where do you think? Where do you think he's going? Like club culture at the moment, in regards to you know, God knows. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, again, I'm lucky because it's not, it's not my prime primary source of income. But you know, I've got friends who are who are DJs and yeah. it's hit them really hard. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I th- it seems like there's, there's been a few efforts to kind of do stuff with social distancing in place. And there's, there's a place in Tottenham called Tottenham Del Sol or That's something. That's right, yeah. An outdoor space, um, which, which looks great, but it looks, it's more of a bar type vibe, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure whether we'll get back to, to the, to the good, sweaty messy um environment of a, of a of a club for a good while yeah and that's that's pretty sad and depressing <laughs> I, I just can't see it happening until there's some sort of vaccine i guess um yeah 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 it's 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 so sad and you know and the government don't seem to be doing a great deal to to to, to help uh, um no, they don't give a monkeys, do they? No, really? no. I, you know, I should know better than to to look at them for answers. But, uh, but yeah, okay. Well, let's um, let's talk about something that's that's joyful. Let's talk about some music. Up a bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, track one, Johnny. The song with the greatest ever intro. Uh, that's got to be from probably my favourite album of all time. It's Sparks, and this town ain't big enough for the both of us. And it's got everything. Hmm. It's got sound effects, and it's kind of—I don't know—it just—it just builds a scene, doesn't it? 
shredding at me is gonna live do, 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 do. nice no, fantastic that whole album is just a joy it's like it's almost too good it's like chocolate cake isn't it it's just there's so much going on and and, it, and it, again it's a joyful album it's it's baroque and it's it's funny and, and it's, it's dramatic and, and as it's well glam and it's yeah. glad i mean at, at heart i'm an old glam rocker really um you know, i like a good foot stomper <laughs> well i'm interested in in you know how over the the the, the years through various um bands uh that that, that you've been involved with um, how you, your approach to sort of writing music when you first started has changed up to, you know, up to now, I guess. And, you know, and, and just with, with, with music in general, how have you found the way that people in the way that people listen to music now is far different, um, from, from mm-hmm. ever. And I just wondered like yeah, how you've seen the changes in, in, in how people sort of listen to music and how you've approached making it. Um, well, when I first got into the into when when I was first in a band, I wasn't actually part of the writing process anyway. I kind of joined a band as like the new kid. Um, I didn't really start writing until until uh, sort of like the mid to the middle of the eighties, I guess. When I when I was in a band with Adam, we were in a band called Discord Dacord. Um, and sorry, I've lost. What was the question? <laughs> you know, I'm just I'm just really interested in 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 like you know seeing like. Your, your career, you know, as, as, as you know, travelled over quite a few years, and just interested how you've just sort of seen the changes, and how you've approached sort of embracing them, or whether you've just thought, no, fuck that, I'm, I, I just do what I do. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I've had periods of of inactivity when I wasn't in a band, or when when things kind of weren't working out, and that's. But I always kind of fell back on my DJing. Um, so does that answer your question? I mean, I was just interested in. I mean, some people write for radio, you know, they, they, when they put music together, you, you know, is it like, well, I want to get on the radio or I want to get on this Spotify place, etc. And just seeing, you know, doing a bit more research into you and, and seeing that you, you work with Jimmy Courtney from KLF. Yeah, well, that, that was in my band Atomizer that wasn't yeah. until the beginning of the 2000s. And I guess that, 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 was, that was probably the first band that, that was – that I was at the Roger at perhaps with, with the other stuff like with, with Discord Dacord, um, I joined up with Adam and he, he'd got like a bank of songs anyway. So we were performing those. Um, and then I'd, I'd been in other bands. I was in a band in the nineties called Sado Dada with this guy, Jez, who'd been in a band called girls at our best, mm-hmm. who I think's album is very similar to, um, Kimono Minehouse, in, in, in which the Sparks album, in which it's very rich and very, I don't know, it really reminded me of And that's why I love Girls at Our Best. They remind me of Sparks a lot. And again, he was the main songwriter. <clears throat> so it wasn't really until Atomizer that I did start writing stuff. And I, I don't know, it was, it was just personal stuff, really. Um, it was, I don't know, finally my chance to get revenge. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I, I'm just out of interest because you, you hear so little about them. And you know, what was it like to to, to work with Jimmy? Um, Jimmy's a lovely guy. Uh, yeah, what what happened? Um, it was around the, it was around the turn of the turn of the century. This actually, is purely it's my in... morbid curiosity because I'm a, yeah, a bit yeah. of a KLF nut. And, and, and oh, are you? Of, uh, actually, yeah. I mean, I kind of not, I kind of knew knew them from from sort of yeah the late 80s it was kind of weird when it was again back to discord that chord I, I remember i bought adam a 
for his birthday, I bought him a, it was a, it was obviously a KLF imprint single that I really liked the look of. I didn't really know much about them at the time, but it, it was, um, it was, I got, it was, uh, Disco 2000. I got a CD. It was Jimmy's wife's band. And I bought him that for his birthday. And on the very same day, we had a gig at the Rio in Dalston, I think. And, uh, we went along to do our sound check and there was actually this band, these, these two girls doing that song, like, on the, on the stage as we walked in, it was like, fuck, that's, you know, because again, the KLF was all, was all about those kind of, all that coincidence yeah. stuff, uh, um, the Illuminatus trilogy. We're all into, we were kind of into that, that sort of stuff. So that seemed a bit of a woo kind of yeah. <laughs> coincidence. We walked in, actually walked in on Disco 2000 performing this song that I, you know, given him earlier in the day. And, and yeah, um, that, that's how kind of our friendship with those guys started uh and yeah just around that kind of stockwell squat party scene really is that a good place to be that was good fun yeah i mean yeah, south south london around that time was yeah it was it was when would rocking. that have been what years was that that would have been 87 88 kind of thing yeah before klf really I mean, yeah KLF yeah, yeah, yeah. In the 90s, didn't it? but when, when they were doing all the pure trance stuff mm. You know, when they did the first imprint of What Time Is Love, etc. Was that no, space they, and uh, chill out and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You went on, yeah, yeah, went to do that. Yeah, so that that was yeah, it was a good, it was good fun. Okay. Nice bunch of people. Well, we'll uh, we'll pick up on the uh, on the journey as we uh, work our way through this, but we're going to uh, go back to earlier days for track two, and it's the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Well, um, I I was thinking of, I, I'd sent you my list already, and then I was. I was thinking in bed last night, the first song, I, I remembered a song, it was Strangers in the Night by Frank Sinatra that used to scare me as a child. It was just the idea of Strangers in the Night, I think. But yeah. the song I submitted to you was um, Pictures of Lily by The Who. And it's kind of, I've just got a memory of sitting on my dad's lap, holding his ear. I'd always hold his ear when he got in from work because it was cold and I used to like that. And I just remember, we had, we had a back, we had we had a few singles in the house. <clears throat> I had an older sister. <clears throat> and so she, she, I don't know, bought some singles and that was kind of my favourite one. Um, I like the sort of, the, the middle section where there's kind of a bit of a freak out bit. Mm. I don't know whether it sounds like it's a synth, but I watched the video and it looks like it's a, I don't know, they fucked about with a French horn, but it was yeah. kind of the crazy, the crazy sort of discordant bit that I really liked. It was a bit scary, but it was, it was kind of fun. Um, and it was a bit of a racket. I think well, I can remember sort of jumping around as a kid and, you know, I liked records that were a racket. Yeah. Another one I liked was Fleetwood Mac, somebody's gonna get their head kicked in tonight. <laughs> I just remember <laughs> drawing the curtains and yeah, jumping around. So in regards <clears throat> to pictures of Lily and like what what would you <clears throat> say that emotion was? Um a kind of excitement. Um and I don't know, I kind of there was a there was a bit of comfort in the lyrics as well. Because I to me it was just about someone's dad giving them some pictures to put on his wall to make him feel a bit and also um <clears throat> my mum ran this drama group and one of one of her members was called lily brooks and i just so i just thought it was pictures of lily brooks which was a bit weird because bless her lily had these big glasses a bit like i'm wearing now and was quite school mommy and yeah the the idea of pictures of lily brooks on my wall was a bit weird especially when you know what the song's actually about <laughs> And you also touched on something then that, you know, you said it was, you know, where it wigs out in the middle, it's quite 
a bit psychedelic and a bit strange. I've always liked that sort of stuff. Like Virginia Plain, you know, the yeah. bit where Dino's freaking out. I've just always I like sound effects in in music. And have you, oh, have you always you know, been drawn to that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my favourite band when I was a kid was The Sweet, and you know they were renowned for it, weren't mm-hmm. they? For you know, police sirens and explosions, and you know, it's it's so weird. It's, when, I, when I set this up, I never in a million years thought I'd be speaking about the sweet and the amount of people <laughs> that have referenced that band on this. That's podcast. really good to hear because you know they're. I think they're often on, overlooked, mm. and they never they were never really taken that seriously. I think whenever you mention the sweet, people smile. Those that can yeah. remember. When my dad hated them. Hmm. He really couldn't take the sweet. And all all Roy Wood from Wizard, he was just like not having any of it. And you know, you kind of you have to remember as well, sort of the whole glam rock thing. It was kind of only twenty five years since you know what I mean, the Second yeah. World War ended. And that 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 to you know, people of my dad's mentality, seeing blokes mucking about pretending to be puffs or dressed as women you know it was just like <laughs> yeah yeah of course of course but, for them but for a young lad they looked like they were from out of fucking space hysterical. didn't they like no, amazing yeah, yeah those these people from like those, those people from like another planet just laughing just really enjoying them mm. and just yeah just 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 thinking it's really funny that steve priest was wearing a woman's hat and yeah. just talking about it at school the next day you know track three a song Trans- reminds you of your time at school. Oh, um, okay. I chose Identity by X-Ray Specs. What a record. Um, and I chose, I could have chosen a lot of stuff, but <clears throat> um, I actually got it from uh, a Radio Luxembourg Fab 208 roadshow <laughs> that came to um, <laughs> came at St. Ives in Cambridgeshire, well, where I, near where I lived. And um, I think it was a, I hadn't been to a gig or anything, but I, I really wanted to go to the Fab 208 Roadshow. And, Did um, people perform at that? No, what it, it was just a load of old bollocks, really. It was yeah. just, uh, at some point, Steve Wright, in the skimpiest pair of, pair of shorts you can imagine, comes on, came on stage. He was a, he was a, right now it's Veggie Dance Time, and I don't know, was handing out some singles, and he, he was like, is anyone a punk? And, um, yeah, I was, ah, and yeah, he had this copy of... Um, identity that i had to kind of um wrestle someone else to to the ground for and i got it in the end that's great um and then the album I, it was like one of the one of the few albums i had as a teenager i bought i bought germany adolescence um and i still play that to this day i, I think out of any any album from that year that, that punk era, it, it still stands up and i still enjoy it i still love it and polly was fantastic um and I remember taking the we we were able to play our own records in the art studio at school, and I, I took in Geoffrey uh, Adolescence, and it didn't go down particularly well with everybody else, <laughs> you know, amidst the kind of Stevie Wonder and Dana Ross and Genesis <laughs> stuff. Yeah. But I, um, I, started, you know, dug my heels in. Um, how did you find school, Johnny? Um, I'll up and up. I was I was a good boy uh, um, up until I was about eleven at sort of junior school. Yeah, I was like you know top of the class and whatever. And then I got to senior school and I just kind of I don't know I lost interest. I think um, my I don't really know why. Kind of I think as well when you know when you go when you go to a big school you you're lumped in with a lot more people and you may be I probably wasn't top of the class. I don't know. I didn't feel that special and. Um, yeah, just kind of, I don't know, 
sort of pu- puberty kicked in, punk rock happened. I don't know. I was just a bit. I was a bit surly. How much and, of a, how much of an impact did punk have on you? Um, I'd say it. It did have a big impact. It did. Inf- I think it did inform me, um, like how I reacted to things and kind of probably what I wanted out of life later. Um, I, I mean, I gave. I just gave up on school. I didn't care. I really didn't care about schoolwork. I mean, I, that, that wasn't probably just about punk. I don't know what it was about really, but punk was. Punk and to, I just I just always think thank God for radio in those years. Do you know what I mean? Thank God for like not just Fab Two Hundred Eight Radio Luxembourg, but thank God for John Peel, etc., yeah. etc. Because they they were just like what that was kind of all that mattered. And magazines, I'd say as well, sort of like the Enemy and Sounds, and later on the Face stuff like that. They were they were just lifelines to to um, a brighter, more fun world. I grew I grew up in the Fens, which is you know rural east anglia you know kind of the flat field um you know not very not a very exciting place for a teenager to grow up so so having having a having a connection through through music through radio through the bits of tv through magazines to me was was essential because i knew there was something bigger better and brighter it was just elsewhere did you feel like it was attainable um yeah, I I felt like I was biding my time till I could actually get to London. Yeah, I was. I knew that I had to get to London. Did you know what you wanted to do? Did you know why? Um, why I, knew, I, I knew I wanted to be in a band. I just wanted. I just wanted to be in a band. You know, um, that's kind of all I really wanted. Probably from about sixteen, I'd say. Um, yeah. So was you a confident kid? I think I knew my mind, yeah. Yeah. But maybe maybe in a kind of a John Waters character kind of yeah. bad girl at school way. <laughs> That's the best way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I take it you upsticked and, and, and went to London? Yeah, I did. I mean, I, I, I'd start, I, after school, I got in at art college to do a foundation course. So I met this girl called Linda. <laughs> who got in at St. Martin's and um, I sort of went to stay with her for, to go to a Bauhaus gig was, was kind of the reason, but I kind of remember leave. I remember leaving home that day and just no, I just knew I wasn't going back. This is when I was like nine, 18 or 19. I just knew I wasn't going back. I remember it was, I was having my lunch and I just, I remember looking at the dog thinking, Oh, bye bye. Cause things were just so bleak and dull. Um, and yeah. And I just went and, Never went back to to the fence. Within a I, within a week, I'd got myself a job. I was I I'd done printing at college and school, screen printing, and I, I just found up Sue Clouds, who used to um at the time was making Culture Club stuff. You know all those kind of crosses and planes and stuff, um, which I which I really liked. And I just phoned her up, just saying, you know, I'm looking for a job. Are you looking for anyone? I'd actually been phoning her while I still lived at home and. You know, she'd always give me, have a chat with me and was like, well, this can't really happen, though, because, you know, you still live in the fence. But I was like, well, I'm in London now, so, you know, are you, are you looking for someone? And she took me on. And then the next week I was asked to join, I, would, I went to the Batcave, um, a club that I'd read about and really wanted to go to because it 
it was like playing all the music that I was into at the time. And yeah, I got asked to join the band Specimen. So yeah, it, it kind of happened like that for me really quickly. I mean, I guess looking back, it couldn't have, <laughs> and I was very, very lucky, yeah. but it, I don't know, it just did. So for, for listeners that might not be overly aware of, of the Batcave, and so just a few things. So what year would this have been roughly? It was 1982. Okay, so this would have been, so the Batcave was the kind of early sort of, would you say got his goth the right word to use? Um, It, it predated the term goth, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was kind of, it was, at that, at that time, so when I was like 18 or 19, I got, a, I got a pen pal that lived in Boreham Wood. So I was kind of, I'd been, I'd been, kind of going to clubs in London. Um, but I was, specifically, I'd say the Beat Le Beat route. Um, we used to go there because she was really into, my friend was really into Spandau Ballet and that's where they kind of hung out. So we kind of have to go there. And, and and they were great. It was great. It was really good fun. But was I wasn't really... Was the time of like the Blitz and stuff like that? Like the... no, it was after, no, it was after the Blitz. Okay. I think it, like it was more kind of, it was kind of... Yeah, it was, it was kind of a Spandau Ballet and there was there was all that kind of Blue Ronde La Turk stuff going mm-hmm. on um you know latino beats and that which again are fine but that wasn't really what i was into but it didn't really matter because i was out i was in london i was having a great time bloody bloody blah um but then i read about the Batcave, um and it was a club that it had a well it had a no funk policy which i guess all the other clubs were more sort of funky yeah. and it, it was i don't know it was play it was advertisers playing i don't know stuff like killing joke and Bauhaus, as well as glam rock and you know the the kind of more punkier element of of stuff that was around, you know the post the post punk bands, you know it's probably a little, a little less frilly than what's going on in the other places. Um, and it just seemed like seemed like my natural home, really, from what I read about it. So yeah, that's that's kind of where I headed as soon as I could. I fell into a band there, and yeah, got to join the band. I think I'd been the first week, and apparently. Uh, John, the guitarist, said they'd spotted me, and then the second week they asked me if I wanted to wanted to join. At first, I, w- I was I was a bit reticent. I was like, "Well, I can't be playing anything," and I didn't really know. I hadn't heard of the specimen, um, but you know, I think it was obviously the way I looked, yeah, um, you know, or the vibe I was giving off, or whatever that got me the gig. Yeah, that must have been exciting, right? Yeah, what well, it was. Yeah, it was exciting, but like I say, I, I was, I was, I ummed and ahed about it for a bit, and I remember talking to Sue, Sue Clouds, about it, and I was like, yeah, yeah, it would be good things to do, and so yeah, I went, I went for it, and yeah, they, they were, they were good people to be around as well. They, you know, they embraced me, you know, and my, I probably, you know, I still had straw coming out of my ears, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> And so how quickly did that sort of develop into like touring and, 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 and playing regular? Pretty soon. I mean, I, I joined the band that would have been in October 82 and we were gigging. I think my first, my first gig was at heaven in December of that year. And then I think we got a deal around that sort of time. And the, the first single came out in May. So yeah, I mean, pre- really pretty soon after, pretty soon afterwards. So yeah, a lot. Yeah, a lot happened in that two and a half years that I still think about to this day. You know, it was a it was a fertile period, I guess. Yeah. And it was great because it was great because you know the back, again the back cave was 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 news. It was yeah. it wasn't just another club. It was like the epicenter of something. You know, yeah. there was always film film crews down, and you know 
in, in international TV stations, etc. So you know, it, 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 it was it was a happening place. Well, you know, I want to touch on Nag 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 a bit later as well, just because that was very much the case with, with that club as well from, from yeah, an outsider's yeah, yeah. perspective. Um, yeah. And and I'm always interested, like, um, to ask that. And I've, I've spoke to you know people that have been you know promoters and DJs at the Hacienda and Wigan Casino and stuff on this podcast and. And I'm always interested, like, to be in the middle of it, as you was there. Oh, like, the Batcave. Batcave, yeah. yeah. Did it feel as exciting as it's looked back upon? Yeah, it did. Um, obviously, I didn't know otherwise, but it was ex- it was exciting. It was exciting to have this thing that happened everywhere. You know, it was it was a it was a great job. Yeah. You know? Um. As well, as well as being in the band, I mean, in a way, I think the club was bigger than the band ever were, you know. But I mean, Bat, Bat Cave now is is almost is almost like a genre of music, isn't it? Yeah. You go in some record shops and there's a Bat Cave section, and kind of that's what it's become. That not many clubs can say that, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's kind of, that's ex- that's kind of extraordinary to think that 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 is a thing. Yeah. But no, it was exciting and it was great. You know, I just moved to London. I just met, you know, after a c- couple of really fucking boring years <laughs> of teenage angst, just poof, into this wonderful, colourful world of just having a laugh. And, yeah. You know. It's all to be played for, right? You are? All to be played yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah, it was, it was just lovely. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. First record. And I'm, I'm, I'm feeling fearless as well. Do you know? I mean, I think my parents were terrified. But I, I learned later on down the line, they were just terrified for me moving to London. You know, because I looked a bit weird and whatever. They just, you know what I mean? And kind of was living in squats and stuff. They just, you know. Hanging out in a place called the Bat Cave. I mean, yeah, that, that'll yeah, put yeah. their mind at rest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With alien sex. <laughs> <laughs> What was the first song you bought from a record shop? 
that was Hellraiser by The Sweet, and The Sweet were my, my sort of most favourite band of all time. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 for sure, yeah. I can remember, well, I remember, that I think The Sweet were my main entry into, into music, really. I, I can remember it was one Christmas, well, would have been Christmas 72, um, seeing them on Lift Off with Asher, and just, ju- it just really like doing blockbuster and it, it really caught my I was like wow fantastic and then yeah then I can remember I can remember blockbuster being on the radio in the winter when it was dark and yeah like on the it, was, it got to number one and so I, I can remember um using my mum's tape recorder that she used for her drama classes and recording recording blockbuster under the kitchen table in the dark and it was just again really exciting with the police siren going on and yeah i just remember just lying on the floor playing it over and over again and you know and the sweets hilarious top of the pops performances were yeah you know they imprinted on me so yeah so the the follow-up release hellraiser was the first record that i actually went into a shop and bought with my own money do you remember where you got it uh, Fitches in Chatteris. <laughs> no one's mentioned that one yet. <laughs> it was where you used to rent your telly from as well. Do you remember when you used to rent your telly? Oh, yeah. Get, get, get yourself yeah. down Rumbelows. Like, yeah, rent yeah, yourself yeah. a telly. <laughs> yeah. So that was Fitches. Um, how important as, as, as you, you know, your, your career in music went on, did, did record shops become? Um, they, they, were, they were important more as my d as my dj work took off i think mm. yeah i mean especially in the in the early 2000s when yeah i was spending stupid amounts of money on vinyl and i'd, I'd you know I'd, be, I'd buy stuff that i sometimes wouldn't even play uh so uh, yeah what well, this is the running of when i was running nag 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 mm. so i kind of you know uh, i wanted the latest <laughs> hot cuts and you know they came at a price <laughs> it's like seven or eight quid wasn't it seven or eight quid for a 12 inch thing and I'd, I'd spend like 60 or 70 quid some weeks just yeah on stuff that i might, I might just play once <laughs> yeah. well i never got to nag 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 and and it was it was just a club night that you know i mean living out in essex you know we, we didn't really at this point. I would have been doing much, you know, doing doing club nights and stuff in, uh, in Essex and such. And and it was just the stories I was hearing about this club. It, it sounded fantastic. So I, I just want to ask you, like, how it come about, and 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 you know what your memories are of it. Well, it, it reminds me very much of the Batcave. In in the the Batcave kind of it. The Batcave sprung from nowhere. It wasn't following a lineage of anything and again i think the same was with no no we just we weren't um i don't know we 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 were just we just started it from from scratch we we weren't sort of like well i was probably a bit more of a seasoned dj but the other two guys we just do you know what i mean we just started it we just i I remember i I can remember hearing two records one was fisher spooner emerge and the other was um adult hantaphone on um, on the Pete Tong show on a Friday night, and I just <laughs> I just remember thinking, a shit, I've been right all these years, and b get on it now, yeah. <laughs> and so that's what kind of spurred me on to kind of start start nag nag nag. I just knew that something was something was was in the air, and I'd always I'd always liked sort of punky electro stuff, you know. Um, and the and it, pr- the press got hold of that scene 
you know, quite quickly tagged it with the the, the term electroclash. Yeah, right? and again, 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 a, a, a term of derision, almost a bit like goth yeah. as well. You know, to, like again, two sort of subcults that were never really taken that seriously, um, which is a shame because you know there was some great stuff around that time. You know, like Peaches and Felix the House Cat. You know, all that. Great, great stuff. And Fisher Spooner as well were, were great for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you, you say it was never taken seriously. I think it – but th- th- those that liked it well, I, I and never enjoyed it, it did. Never taken seriously by the likes of NME or whatever. No, you know? but, you know – It was taken seriously by people that actually enjoyed it. Exactly. Again, that was like goth, like the back – you know, people were into it. It was just yeah. – it was a bit declassé for the NME types. Yeah. They got it wrong plenty of times, so we don't need to worry oh, yeah. about them. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sounds always had their finger on the pulse. Exactly. Well, um, it, it brings us on nicely to uh, the song that soundtracked your years in Clubland. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, this is "I Travel" by Simple Minds, and um, again, th- that that was that was the kind of stuff I was into when I first started clubbing. I remember there was a club called Caribas, um that, unlike the beat route, was playing the more kind of experimental electronic stuff. I remember, remember in, was it in Sounds, there used to be a Futurist chart? Maybe, I think that Steve, Steve-O did a Futurist oh, chart. okay. And it was full of stuff like, you know, Simple Minds and, oh, I can't remember, I don't know, Crispy Ambulance, you know, the, the Throbbing Gristle was even in there, do you know? I mean, the more, the more kind of left-field electronica stuff. But I, I Travel was... Uh, yeah the tune i think when i was when i started my clubbing life and and it and it and it endures again it's it's a track that i i could still play out now and it, and it would have worked at the back cave it would have worked in any of the other clubs i don't know the years it would have definitely worked at nag 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 you know it's just it's timeless that and that that whole Early Simple Minds is a genius. Yeah, it's something that the listeners of this that might think we're talking about, don't you forget about me and Alive and Kicking. It's basically a completely different sounding band, wasn't it? Everything up to New Gold Dream, Mm. all the that that album and before were astonishing. You know, brilliant, really, really experimental, scratchy, crowdy stuff. Again, I still listen to Simple Minds to this day mm. great what did you want from clubbing what did i want um i think i've said it already color excitement glitter fabulousness um uh kind of yeah all the good glorious gorgeous things in life and then again a place that just a place to hang out with like-minded people you know and it's just just so it's so lovely when you realize that you're not you know like I say I felt very kind of out on my own living in in the sticks in Chatteris and to then to realize that you're not that there's you know a thousand people just like me as Mark Armand would yeah. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. I don't think anyone's answered that as as, as good as that. Um, yeah, wonderful. And and I'm always interested as well as as you know as a promoter and DJ as well. Um, do you, I mean? Do you still get joy in clubs now you've kind of seen behind the curtain as a promoter and a DJ? Like, do you still enjoy 
you know going. yeah i do and I've, I've been enjoying again i had a bit of a break from it but it's, this past couple of years i've gotten into it again i've been been doing um been djing at a club called berlin berlin at, at egg in king's cross and there's a there's i mean it's a, it's there's a whole group of oh i'm gonna have to use the word kids because they're a lot obviously a lot younger than me there's a whole group of kids <laughs> they're just they're just fantastic again and they 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 remember they remember the the eight, they they love all the eighties and goth stuff especially the the visuals of it and and it, yeah it's it's just it's been it's been like being sometimes it's been a bit like being back at the back cave again oh, and wonderful. It's just meet, meeting these young and they're just lovely they're just really just inspiring funny unjudgmental creative kids. What more do you want from young people than that? Exactly, 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 yeah. Track six, Johnny. Favourite song from an artist okay, well, from your I home county? I'm from Cambridgeshire, and I couldn't really think of anybody else. <laughs> so I've gone for um, Pink Floyd, Arnold Lane, um, which is a track I love. Mm. Um, you know, it, I think it was, you know, Pink Floyd from when Sid Barrett was was in control. And, yeah. you know, I love I love all that kind of crazy psychedelic shit that they're they're known for um did, did you ever get and to it, see him live oh, early on who pink floyd yeah did i see them no 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 i was too young no not not, <laughs> not with sid like just that you know in the kind of because uh, I'm, I'm always interested when people say things like floyd and that because i <sighs> you mentioned genesis earlier and for me a lot of the time i kind of tag like you know them in that kind of almost kind of grown up kind of almost proggy um, type thing yeah i think the sid stuff i, I, guess, I, was liked, a bit more... yeah, I liked pink floyd growing yeah. up I, I wouldn't say that i like genesis or yes or but no pink floyd i you know I, um what's the big album you know the one with the prism on it what's it called dark side of the moon <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd sort of, you know, had Dark Side of the Moon, and um, I liked a few of the other albums as well. Uh, they they just seemed interesting. Hmm. Um, okay, well, you can <laughs> you can keep your DJ hat on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now, because for the last song, um, this is when you get to turn someone onto something new. So um, a song that many may not know, that you would right, like well, it's not. Hear. It's not. Well, it's not got to be new. It's got to be new to somebody. Well, not, I don't really know where to go with this one, but I chose. I chose this song because it's. Ever since I heard it, it's just been an earworm, and it still is to this day. Um, and it's fan mail by Blondie from their second album, uh, Plastic Letters. Those first, honestly, those first two Blondie albums are genius. Like Blondie and Plastic Letters, yeah. such. Fun. Again, albums that I'd still play and get enjoyment from to this day. But this is this is just sort of just such a lovely song. I don't, I don't know why. Again, it's got a it's got a freak out bit in the middle, yeah. which always does it for me. Um, and it's kind of yearningy and sort of just 
Oh, it's just lovely. <laughs> Debbie Harry. <sighs> and yeah, and obviously Debbie Harry as as a teenage teenage boy was just a goddess, you know. Just Debbie Harry's a forty seven year old man, still the same, mate. It's like yeah, yeah, she's yeah. she's it's, spectacular. She oh, ha, has there been a cooler person on the planet than Debbie yes. Harry? I can remember though, I think it was in the was it in the Heart of Glass video and she turns around and part of her hair's brown at the back and I was devastated. <laughs> <laughs> She's yeah. not blonde. She's not <laughs> blonde goddess, Debbie. <laughs> oh, do you know what? I think it's um, who's the photographer? Is it Mick Rock? Was it was he the photographer? Mick Rock. Who was a big rock and roll yeah, photographer? There was Sheila Rock, wasn't there? Oh, I can't think. Maybe there was a Mick Rock. Yeah, and it's it's lots of kind of iconic sort of photos of Lou Reed and Bowie and stuff. But he okay. um he shared some of Debbie Harry kind of. I reckon tail end of CBGB's fucking hell. Just different level call. Now when you think just stunningly beautiful, but Is it the one with her standing in the street? That's it. Yeah, I know the one. Yeah, yeah, really. But you know, you'd want to kiss her, but you wouldn't want to arm wrestle her. Do you know what I mean? She's like (laughs) she's just badass and cool and oh God. And just just the way she hold herself and move a lot slightly just at odds with yeah, everything absolutely oh wow what a pop star. that's a yeah, good fucking pop star who was who's the last greatest pop star to uh to emerge from uh from the uk from the uk mm. oh my goodness oh god I, I, i'm really wrecking my brains now i'm wrecking my brains in the 21st century i can't think i always i always whenever whenever anyone mentions the last greatest pop star i always think of marilyn manson because yeah. to me that was the big that was the last he was the last true rock star i think um i can't think of anyone from the, who would you say then from the uk i'd, I'd say jarvis cocker yeah he yeah yeah i'd go with jarvis or maybe brian from placebo yeah yeah like, um, I, do you know what? It's it's really weird. Like when I was in bands in in the kind of mid nineties, and and we were sort of sitting at these kind of major label record companies, going okay, and we we was quite a sort of straight up rock band, I guess. Mm. And we were sitting at Epic Records. I can't even remember the guy's name, and he'd been to see us a couple of times, and we just looked like. We didn't look overly glamorous in any way, shape, or form. We just looked like kind of indie rockers, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he went to us, see, I kind of really like what you're doing, but I think young people need this. And he held up a picture of a very early shot of Marilyn Manson on his first cover of Kerrang. <laughs> and I just looked at it, and I felt about 40 years of age, even though I was probably about 21, and I just thought... Yeah, of course they do. Like, and you, you didn't want to grow those tits, did like, you? No, no, no. Um, I just remembered about the last band I think I really liked was was Scum. Scum, yeah. They were so great. That album is so genius, and they should. They, I thought they should have been massive. I, I used to put them on a lot, and they were always supported by what was the other band? Um, a, a six foot five black guy fronted them. Um, 
and it was very, very gothy. Um, oh God, what were they called? Absolutely incredible band. Uh, the the guitarist was a guy called Harry that also was a London club promoter. Had a night called Snap Crackle and Pop, I believe. It's not oh, the O Children. O Children. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 okay. yeah. I saw, I saw them a few times. They were. Well, well, I actually remember. I saw Scumming about. It must have been two thousand and ten, and it was a fat. It was, it was kind of quite poignant because it was the first time I, I'd, I'd seen a band, and something in my head said to myself, I can't really do that, or I don't really want to do that anymore. That was really odd, and I kind of, st- I did actually stop. I mean, my, my band out of minds. I think we did an album in two thousand, but some there was something that whatever it was that Scum were doing, um, I wasn't part of it anymore. And it wasn't. It wasn't a bad feeling. That was kind. Of, it was kind of in a way. It was. It was a. But it was. It was kind of really. And I never. I'd never had that feeling. I, you know, I, whenever I used to see someone, and it might make me sound a bit jaded, but I would, I'd always think, well, yeah, I could do that, whatever. And Scum Absolutely. was the first, first time I was like, nah, I can't, I can't do that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. Or that's not where my head's at anymore. Or It's, it's really strange you, you, you say that, Johnny, because I had something very, very, very similar around okay. that time. Uh, and mm-hmm. like a lot of that scene that was happening there a lot of it kind of grew out of something that was happening in south end yeah so, yeah yeah there was um yeah who, who were the bands and, i can't and think so of there was the yeah, horrors was, yeah the horrors they were a great band and they so, are yeah, yeah so there was the horrors there was um i think one of the horrors brothers was in scum were they or something yeah. that, there was, and there know, was ipso facto these new puritans and they were all playing at this tiny little underground place at the royal hotel called junk okay and it was the first time as as the Essex Alternative Club promoter, mm. I went to this night and it made me feel out of touch. And it made me think, oh, okay, so I'm still playing the Killers and Kasabian and these kids are now dancing to Susie again and they're going mad for Bowie. And yeah. it's kind of like, yeah. I guess, like the Batcave, you know. Like, Something made me feel out of touch. They just made me... I don't know. It was whatever the, the mysterious thing it was yeah. that's been that has been keeping me going in my head since 1983. Yeah. It was just over. Yeah, it just you know what I mean. Yeah, I don't know if it made me feel out. Of t- it made me feel like it was they were doing something I wasn't part of. And well, like, and like, and and, and well, um, age age is a factor. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> you know, no, it right. it was that. You know, it was very much yeah. a part of that because, and it was just the fact of. They had a club night where everybody looked incredible. Yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. dressed up, you know, it, and, and they looked amazing. And I was just like, oh, man, like, I should have done this, but I don't know if I can. And and it, and it, it, it was just a click from a certain area outside of South End that, that grew and grew. And, and I guess you know, lots of the best club nights are that kind of happen like that. Do you know what I mean? You can't, you can't then try and take that idea and then make it happen elsewhere. Absolutely not. not. With Nag, 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 you know, we became very popular very quickly and everyone wanted a bit of part of you. Mm. So, you know, a gate crasher would give us a room and it's just, we're just like, nah, this ain't going to work in your big place, you Mm. know? But yeah, definitely. It's just you, you can't put your – and, you know, the, the thing as well with the club, like, especially with Nagman Ag, the, the venue was so important. You know, it was it was in a little basement, 
you know, behind the Astoria in down a pissy alley in Soho. And it, you know, I mean, it, 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 that, that was such an important part of it. Yeah. The fact that you could only legally get 250 people in. So there was always a massive queue, you know, it's things like that, that make something that, that are essential elements to what makes something absolutely special. Absolutely. Johnny, if we find ourselves coming out of lockdown, hopefully, um, what are you looking forward to most? I'm coming out of lockdown. I'm look. I'm looking forward to to gigging in London again, to seeing how big everyone's hair's got. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, and if people want to find out what you're up to with the DJ and that, where's the best place to follow you? Uh, oh my goodness, I don't do Twitter. That's too much of a bin fire isn't it these days where can they they can they can follow me on johnny slut's got a facebook page you can go there if you want that's probably i'll i'll uh, I'll tag you in that one it's been an absolute joy talking records with you yeah thank you you so much and keep feeding the alligator don't you worry about that i will (laughs) there you have it Ah, what a wonderful chat. And the chat continued long after I pressed stop as well and uh, heard some uh, amazing stories uh, <laughs> that I wish we would have captured on on on, uh, on tape. Uh, we did touch on uh, some brilliant stories that uh, involved uh, Johnny wearing fishnets and a cat's tail on stage at uh, um, uh, my very own uh, beloved pink toothbrush. Uh, and then we uh, we also mentioned a similar performance in a different band uh, that resulted in uh, in Johnny putting a feather duster um, up the backside of Adamski <laughs> on stage. Um, I'm sure uh, when uh, I, I, after lockdown, I'll try and get them both on together, and we'll uh, and we'll talk about that and, uh, and and the band that they were in together a lot more. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, if you uh, enjoyed this episode, then um, go and have a rummage in the archives because there's about 180 episodes with some of your favourite musicians, producers, DJs, comedians, actors. Go and go and have a rummage in the archives and see which ones uh, jump out at you. Um, thanks ever so much for listening. Uh, thanks again to Johnny for giving up his time. And, uh, and yeah, you can find out about all things Off The Beat and Track at www.offthebeatandtrack.com. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year, and they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music, and they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable, and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out. 
because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track Podcast. It's Off The Beaten Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Eat a pocket.